Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you all here this morning. Good. I'll wait till I get your attention. I'll say good morning back. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to see you all here. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Hope you had a beautiful Thanksgiving time uh, this past week. And uh, of course, today is a beautiful day, so um, it's a good day to be out. I'm glad that you all are here. So good to have you all online who are with us this morning, too. Welcome to 1111 downtown. On, on with our online folks and you all here present, and for our visitors who are here, welcome to you all as well. Um, take a moment to register your attendance on those cards, or you can scan the scan code and do it on the phone, or hopefully you scanned the, uh, co the code so you can see the bulletin too. Uh, the bulletin is online, and you can find it there. I think somebody, uh, Kagan's not with us this morning. She's homesick, but I think she's watching, so hopefully she'll pull that up online for you guys watching on Facebook this morning as well. Just a couple of quick things. Before we get going, uh, first of all, we are in the season of Advent, so I just want you to know that for the next four Sundays, we've got some really special things planned, including this morning, you'll see some of the things that we'll be doing for the rest of the Advent season for the next four weeks, four weeks, yes, before Christmas Eve. And then, of course, on the 18th of uh, December is sort of our own sort of local celebration. It's our winter solstice, pre-Christmas Eve celebration in the last Sunday of Advent. Something like that. So we do that all together in one time because we will not be having a Christmas Eve service here. Now, everyone likes to go to the main services for that. And uh, so we invite you to be a part of that at the main sanctuary on the 24th. On the 25th, which is Christmas Day, which, would you believe it, falls on a Sunday. So we expect to see everybody here Sunday morning, <laughs> Christmas. So we're not having Christmas. We're not having service. We're not gathering in here on Christmas Day. However, Linda and I will have an exclusive all McDermott-only service on Christmas Day because we pulled the lottery ticket and uh, we won. And so we're going to be doing it Christmas Day over there in the sanctuary all together. Anybody that wants to come on a Sunday morning, we'll be doing our thing over there in the main sanctuary, which will be some music. It'll be some storytelling. It'll be very light and, and, and fun and celebrative. So we hope you, some of you might want to be here for that if you so choose on Christmas morning. We'll be here. And um, otherwise, I think that's it for now, the announcements. There's some volunteer opportunities. We always push those. You can see the information on the back. You can scan the code on the bulletin. Lots of fun things to be involved with here in our community at the First Methodist Church as well. So, so glad to have you all with us this morning. And good to see some new faces, too. I'm going to invite uh, Blair to come up, and he's going to do our welcome candle this morning. And uh, there's the candle, the lighter. Yes. The welcome candle is lit. Join me in saying the thing. <laughs> come, 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 whoever, whoever you are, are wanderer, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, it doesn't matter. matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come yet again. Excellent, Blair. 1111, would y'all please stand and we're gonna sing the thing now. <laughs> Here we go, a good old fashioned Christmas carol. Join us right here. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and 
ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Yeah. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thy advent here and drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light. All people in one heart and mind Bid in peace, strife, and quarrel cease Fill all the world with heaven's peace Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Shall come to thee, O Would you take a moment and offer one another a sign of peace? And I forgot about the offering, too. This would be a great time to bring your offering to the table.
tonight, we're going to do the Advent candle. We light this first candle of Advent for the unannounced angel of hope. Let it be a symbol of hope and expectation. May we dare to open the shadowy places in our lives and memories to the healing light of community. With the creative power of hope, we express our longing for peace and prepare our hearts to be transformed. I invite our not ready for 1111 primetime actors forward. <laughs> so we've been doing these in the past. I haven't done them for years, but we're going to do a word now from our sponsor, the Eggnog Association for the Advancement of Advent. <laughs> These are great times for Bob and me. Our kids are grown and have their own kids now. And we smile and laugh at each other as we watch them struggle with parenting. The same way we struggled with them for 27 years. <laughs> and our neighbors across the alley recently celebrated an early Christmas this year and bought themselves a giant 96-inch smart TV for their back room. So Bob splurged and bought us both a pair of binoculars. <laughs> now at night, we can look out our bedroom window and watch all those expensive subscriber-based football games and movies, too. And we discovered the games are so much more fun without all the talking heads commentary. Oh! And we come up with our own dialogue for the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, you think we'd be happy. But I was concerned the other day to see Bob sitting and staring blankly out the living room window. Bob, what are you doing? I'm staring, Evelyn. Staring? <laughs> what are you staring at? At what am I staring, you mean? What? The question is, why are you staring outside? But I'm not staring, Bob. You are. Evelyn, you ended your question with a preposition. I'd have thought someone with a, who scored in the top 2% on their college English comps would know better than that. You mean, would know better not than that. <laughs> then what? Bob, seriously, why are you so upset? I'm afraid there won't be any Christmas this year. No Christmas? What do you mean? Of course there'll be Christmas. Evelyn, the weatherman gave a long-range forecast that night, and it called for much warmer than normal temperatures with little or no precipitation and a drought for five more years. Winter isn't coming. And without winter, there'll be no chestnuts roasting on an open fire, no Jack Frost, no winter wonderland, no Santa, and no baby Jesus. Oh, come on, Bob. Of course there'll be winter. 
Winter always follows fall, and we're in the middle of fall. The leaves have changed colors, and they're all starting to fall now. They're not falling, Evelyn. They've just given up. <laughs> they clung on as long as they could, hoping for moisture, hoping for a bright winter. Now it's all brown and gray. Even the grass gave up months ago. Now wait, Bob. I thought you were happy since you didn't have to mow the lawn so much this year. I was until last Sunday night. It was late, and the neighbor's blinds were closed, so I looked for something to watch on our old TV. <laughs> I started to watch this preacher. He was reading from the Bible for the first Sunday of Advent. It said, we are like the grass which fades and the flower that withers. He talked about this being the season of hope, anticipating the coming of baby Jesus. But then he started talking about the second coming of Christ and end times and Armageddon and hellfire. Pretty soon people were weeping and moaning. It didn't feel like Christmas at all. So I changed the channel. But every channel was about needing to lose weight or get healthy or look younger. By the way, I think I want the total gym to the new you exercise thing for Christmas. Bob. What? Bob. I think this would be a good time for some eggnog. I know it's a little early in the season, but you know, eggnog has natural mellowing agents, such as milk, cream, sugar, raw eggs, and the anti-inflammatory properties of nutmeg. Eggnog has ingredients that help you see that the world can be full of hope, whether it's sparkling with white snow or muted with dead leaves. Uh, you just need a tall cup of eggnog. Well, maybe you're right. Sure I am. Let's go get some right now, and soon you'll be seeing things differently. These are the good times, times of winter's past, hoping for a bright Christmas, a cold and wintry blast. Eggnog is flowing with advent, like eggnog on dry grass. Advent. I'm looking for in the middle of the night. 
Our reading today comes from Luke, uh, chapter one. During the rule, uh, sorry, we start. All right. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who was carrying out his priestly. I can't see. Okay, sorry. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who was carrying out his priestly duties before God one day. In time, it was his turn to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of incense offering. Unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar. Zechariah was paralyzed by fear. But the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear you a son. You are to name him John, and many will delight in his birth. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah soften the hearts of parents to children, and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He'll get the people ready for God. Zechariah said to the angel, Do you expect me to believe this? My wife and I are too old. But the angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, 
sent especially to bring you this good news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true in time, in God's time. Meanwhile, the congregation waiting for Zechariah was getting restless, wondering what was keeping him so long in the sanctuary. When he came out and couldn't speak, they knew he had seen a vision. Zechariah then went back home, and it wasn't long before his wife Elizabeth conceived. She spent five months in solitude, pondering this new reality. Amen. I'm going to invite y'all to sing with us one more time. Y'all can stay seated on this one. It goes like this. Come, O light, illumined by darkness. Come, O light, revive me from death. Come, O healer, hear my cry. Come, O spirit. One more time, just like. Come, O light, illumined by darkness. Come, O light, revive me from death. Come, O healer, hear my cry. Come, O a time of knowing that something is coming. And so many times in the Bible there are stories of angels appearing. And the angels always announce their presence by saying, do not be afraid, do not fear. And so in these moments, as we take our breaths together, as we are reminded that we're not alone on this journey, May we spend a few moments thinking about all of the things that we fear, so much of the uncertainty, and may we lean in to that instead of running from it. May we pray. <clears throat> a holy one, the one who is the light and the darkness. We live in times of uncertainty. We live in times of anxiety. We worry about things that we may not often speak. We fear things that we have no words for. Some seem very unrealistic, but they are our reality. And so for us, they are real. How is it in this Advent season that we are to find our way? Believing that there is light in the midst of a darkness that sometimes we cannot even see a flicker of a flame. May we lean on one another, allowing someone else to carry the light for us. But may we not escape and run from the darkness, 
but may we lean into it, embrace it, befriend it, allow it to teach us, and not be afraid. For it may just be that in such a time of waiting, we might be led to something that is extraordinary, unexplainable, and holy. In the name of the one in whom we live and move and have our being, we pray. Amen. So it's, it's great to be with you all this morning and to see you all here this morning as well. Um, Advent is one of my favorite times of the year. I suppose it is my favorite time of the year, largely not so much because it is about Christmas, although that sort of was the thing for a long time as kids, just around here. But also, I think now more because of what Advent really represents. Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, it really to me represents how the, um, how the journey begins. Now we think oftentimes of Christians as being sort of identified, the Christian faith being identified around the idea of resurrection. I, I think that's kind of the way I always learned it when I was in the evangelical church. And I think maybe many of us learned it that way as well. But in fact, to me, this is the beginning. Right now is the beginning. Now, and traditionally, in the Christian church, traditionally, Advent is the beginning of the church year. Which is interesting, again, because it begins in darkness. It begins instead in a time of waiting, in a time of anxiety, in a time of sort of oppressiveness and stress and, and worry. Uh, and if you think about where uh, the angels appear... They're always saying this same thing, right? They're always saying, do not be afraid. They're always addressing the immediate emotion that's going on for a lot of people. I would think that fear is not an uncommon emotion in our country right now, in our world right now, in our time. I would think also brokenness and anxiety in this difficult time because holiday seasons are always a challenging time, whether we've lost a loved one recently or lost a loved one in the past or whether or not we've actually even experienced that, there's so much anxiety around this time of year. And so much anticipation in terms of expectation, right? Like everything's got to be beautiful. Uh, everything has to be perfect. The, the, the gifts, I hope they love the gifts they get. That sort of thing. It, it sort of, um, it, it stresses this idea that everything hinges on something. And it's into the midst of that that we begin this whole Christian journey or this whole journey of spirituality that uh, I like to refer to it in that way. Um, my notes just disappeared. Here they come again. All right. <laughs> so one of the things that Carl Jung said, I think we'll pull it up here. Carl Jung, the, the sort of the progenitor, the founder of the depth psychology at the turn of the 20th century, he said, the one who looks outward dreams, but the one who looks inward awakens. What I want to suggest during this season of Advent for us is that we learn to pay attention in this time of darkness, in this time of beginning. Darkness, of course, nighttime, we often think of nighttime as a time for sort of finding our place, home, bed, at a friend's place, at a party, somewhere safe. And yet there's always this anxiety that something else could happen at night, right? There's this anxiousness sometimes about, are we going to have fun tonight? Am I going to get home safe afterwards tonight? The nighttime presents kind of a, a problem of unknowing, of mystery for us. And so Carl Jung, I, I love how he says it here when he says, the one who looks outward 
is dreaming, but the one who looked inward is awakening. This is what Advent offers us a chance to do. It offers us a chance to wake up to our moments and to pay attention. Mary Oliver, who is one of my favorite poets, one of our poets that we often quote in here, she has a wonderful way of putting it in her poem called Yes, No, where she says, how necessary it is to have opinions. I think the spotted trout lilies are satisfied. Standing a few inches above the earth, I think serenity is not something you just find in the world like a plum tree holding up its white petals. The violets along the river are opening their blue faces like small dark lanterns. The green mosses, being so many, are as good as brawny. How important it is, she says, to walk along, not in haste, but slowly, looking at everything and calling out, yes, no. The swan, for all his pomp, his robes of grass and petals, wants only to be allowed to live on the nameless pond. The catbriar is without fault. The water thrushers down among the sloppy rocks are going crazy with happiness. Imagination, imagination is better than a sharp instrument. For to pay attention, she says, this is our endless and proper work. It's said that Mary Oliver, when she would go out on her morning walks, and she did morning walks every day, with the anticipation that she would discover something. So she always took a journal with her wherever she went. But what was interesting is that she would plant pencils along the pathway just in case she forgot one as she was going out or if the lead broke off. She would always have a pencil somewhere that she could rely on. And then if she was in some unfamiliar area and she was walking around, she would plant pencils almost, she would say, prophetically with the idea that if someone else saw the pencil, maybe they would have an inspiration to take note. Mary Oliver was always about the important work of paying attention. And this is the work that we have in Advent. This is what I want to suggest to you, that Advent is our invitation to pay attention. We always say it's the time of waiting, the time of anticipation, but there's an aspect of pay attention, paying attention which is more than simply just kind of looking and noticing things. Last week I talked about gratitude, which was appropriate for Thanksgiving, but gratitude is something else altogether. It is not simply thankfulness. I was trying to talk about this last week, that we simply are thankful, which is a, not, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to be thankful, but gratitude is more like leaning in. It's more like connecting with, participating in. This way of paying attention is a way of showing gratitude, of leaning into our moments in order to see something else. You think of, of, uh, of Zechariah going in as a priest, doing his regular duties, but he's going in because it's his special occasion. It's not something he does all the time, but it's his appointed time to go into the temple and to light the incense while everyone else is outside the temple because that's where they're supposed to be. Of course, until the time of Jesus when he says the temple walls will fall and everyone will participate in the life of God in the midst of, of life itself. He kind of transforms all of that. But for this story, Zechariah's task is to go in and light the incense, to pay attention. And as he's lighting the incense, I love the phrase, unannounced, an angel appears. And I'm wondering, how else do angels appear? <laughs> do they come with great warning or a note, maybe in the mail? On Friday at 7 o'clock, an angel will appear. Hope you're there. Instead, it's unannounced. 
which is the way in which gratitude opens us up, which is the way in which participating in our tasks with a sense of how important and sacred these moments are, something appears, something unexpected, because we're paying attention. My uncle said this. My uncle would take us out camping, and, and I've talked a lot about my uncle, but one of the things that he did teach me to do among, you know, he would always talk about how you see a thing. When you see a thing, you're looking too hard at a thing, like if you're out looking for deer or if you're looking for wildlife, and he's going, it's right there in the brush, and you can't see it. And my brother and I are fighting over it, and he says, because you're looking too hard, right? Because you're looking with a kind of a way of saying, why, why isn't it there? Why isn't it where I'm expecting it to be? And he said, if you'd look around, you'd see more. Well, that's kind of paying attention. When we go camping... He would teach us not to use a flashlight. And he would say something like this. He would say, sometimes a flashlight misses what's really present and only illuminates what you want to see or what you're afraid you might see. Think about it. When you've gone out walking at night, why do you carry a flashlight? Is it because you're trying to make your way or is it because you're also afraid of what might be there? And so you're always shining in just one spot or looking around in one spot. And so my uncle would teach us to just turn the lights off altogether and to just allow the darkness to become used to the darkness. And he said, because everything out here is where it's supposed to be. What's missing is your awareness. What's missing is your attention. Everything else is in place. Even mystery has its place. What's missing is our attention. And soon enough, of course, we would learn that if we started being, maybe some of you have tried this, if you've tried to just get adjusted to the darkness, you begin to see the light that actually arises in the midst of the darkness. Things are actually illuminated. There's only been one time in my whole life, aside from hiding in a closet, well, that would mean a closet within a closet, because even light comes from under there. But aside from that, the only time I've ever been in, in darkness where it was pitch black dark and you couldn't see even your hand in front of your face was once when I was in the midst of the deep part of, of, of Belize in the rainforest, deep within the rainforest in a small hut. And when they turned out the lights, or the, when they, when they uh, blew out the fires and put out the fires and the candles, it was pitch dark. You couldn't see anything for about an hour or two. And then you saw what happens when the early dawn starts to crack, even before dawn starts to arise. You see even that. It's interesting to me that that birds, how many of you get up at the crack of dawn? How many of you get up before the crack of dawn? It's interesting that when you get up early enough, you start hearing birds singing. And there's a theory that uh, orn ornith ornith ornithologists, am I getting that right, ornithologists? <laughs> I'm having a mind freeze for a moment. But it's interesting that many ornithologists think that the reason why that is is because under the cover of the, of the early dawn, they're not seen as much. They're harder to pick out. And so that gray against their wingspan and such, they can't see them singing out to one another as the others listen. But I think it's also something else. I think that that bird song at the break of day reminds us that what brings light is often paying attention in that darkness, is often being present in that darkness, is often finding a level of comfort. Another way of thinking of grace, when we talk about grace, is to think of givenness of life. We said grace at Thanksgiving, right? Some of us, we said grace at Thanksgiving. We often think of it as what we're thankful for. We thank God for these things and this meal and such and the people that prepared it for our lives and our friends. There's another aspect of grace which is really about the givenness of life 
even in the midst of the darkest times in our lives. It's as if God is saying, or the great spirit, if you want to call it that, or the ground of our being, if you'd like to call it that, it says in our birth, and we're going to be thinking about our birth stories in the coming weeks because, of course, that's what we're celebrating. It's as if God is saying, okay, you're here. Welcome, congratulations. Here you are, welcome to the planet, the place and time. This is a mystery, but it's a mystery to live and to dance. Todd says you felt like dancing. <laughs> to dance and to be until you can't anymore. Welcome to this space at your birth. But it wouldn't be the same without you. It's amazing and beautiful and terrifying things will surely happen. But you're not alone because we're all in this together. All of us, with all of it. Dancer on the floor and the bouncer at the door, the flower on the wall, the one who cleans the hall, and the one who makes music out of it all. We're all part of this. Welcome. It's a beautiful mess. There's no guarantees except that we are here in this moment right now. How do we experience the grace in life fully without being present, even in the darkness, with gratitude? Gratitude is learning to lean into these moments, to pay attention deeply, and to try to find a way to draw out something new, to being open to that. In the poet voices of the uh, Psalms 137, there's that wonderful text that you hear the, Christ, the uh, Hebrews who are in Babylonian exile, right? Out, uh, hundreds of years before Christ, hundreds of years before Christ. And they're crying out, they're saying they're captives. Our captors are asking us to sing songs of Zion, to sing songs of hope, to sing songs of peace, to sing songs of our place. We're in captivity, and our captors are telling us, sing songs. How can we sing a song? And this is what I was reminded of when I read that again this last week from Psalms 137. I remember hearing Ross Gay, the African-American poet who wrote this in his book called The Book of Delights. I've talked about it in the past. He says, how can I think, he says, people will ask me, how can I think of delight at a time like this that we're in right now? How can I think of delight? And he says, well, what better time, what better time and what more important task than to look for delight when delight and joy seems lost? Does it make sense? Does that resonate at all with you? Where, how do you find delight in the darkest moments? How do you find hope? when things seem hopeless. Now, perhaps we're saying, oh, what, just, what, maybe what Advent story says is just wait. God will come and fix it. But what I'm suggesting is, no, what Advent says, things come unannounced, so pay attention. Even in the midst of some of the hardest times, gratitude is leaning into it for, with curiosity, leaning into it with open-heartedness, which is the same phrase, the actual root phrase for the word courage. Did you know that? Open-heartedness. Lean into the moments to allow life and light to even find you in the midst of darkness. That's what Advent asks us to do. That's what Advent gives us the chance to do. Just two poets after, I mean two, paragraph, uh, two um, chapters after the poet had mentioned his angst in 137, we go to, to uh, Psalms 139, and what does it say? Wherever you go, I'm already there. You can go to the depths of hell, I'm there. You can go to the heights of the heavens, 
I'm there. Wherever you are in the midst of life, I'm already there. Even before you were born, I was there. It's as if God, mystery, life with a capital L, is saying, welcome. This isn't going to be easy. If you think it is, you're not living right. But what's at the heart of all of it is this creative love that's inviting us to pay attention. And so in this season of Advent, what I invite you to do is to pay attention as the nights get longer. To pay attention even in the midst of things happening around the world, even in the midst of the violence or the hate crimes or the divisiveness that we still experience in our political scene or when economic times seem like a struggle. All of that is a distraction for what really is calling us at these times. Unannounced, waiting for us to just be present enough to wake up and to see it. So, we wait with curiosity and with hope and with deep, connective gratitude. Take a journal, plant some pencils, start taking a walk around the block, pretend you're a poet, pretend you're an architect, pretend you're a sociologist, pretend you're a painter, pretend you're a philosopher, pretend that you're a psychologist, or even better, a journalist, and you don't want to miss a thing. Happy Advent. As we go, as we roll down this unfamiliar road, although this wave is stringing us along, I just know you're not alone. So we're gonna make this place your
So let's stand for our benediction. So when Zechariah is doing his tasks and paying attention unannounced, he's awakened. And what seems impossible, right, suddenly becomes possible. I've often said God is the redemptive moments. I mean, God is the redemptive possibility in all of our moments. God, God, mystery, life, wonder, is the redemptive possibilities in all of our moments. So go into the world. May you find gratitude awaiting you, inviting you to participate. Go into the world with gratitude and defy the gravity. Amen. <laughs>